The Bar Star Podcast, hosted by Stephen O'Reilly, is a podcast about working musicians, their friends, and their opinions. Stephen is a musician in Louisville, Kentucky, who has... Wait a second. This guy's a drummer, not a real musician? Somebody gave a drummer a microphone for his voice? The hell? Unreal. Unbelievable. To another episode of the Bar Star Podcast. I am your host, Stephen O'Reilly. I want to thank you guys for coming back once again to hang out with me and check out the show. I uh, hope some of you, or most of you, or maybe all of you, have gone and checked out the website, which is <gasps> barstarpodcast.com. Gotten a couple emails, which is at barstarpodcast at gmail. Uh, so thank you guys for that. Noticed a couple of new stars and a new review so keep that stuff coming uh, I greatly appreciate it it just helps the show grow and it helps me grow and wait I'm already growing I'm old I'm getting fat but whatever it's another story for another day that I'm never gonna tell I hope everybody had a good week I hope everybody is doing well and as always I hope you guys went out and did some shit please take a minute to check out my sponsor Prophecy Inc located in the ultra chic Ooh, that's the worst one yet Fantastic. Located in the fabulous Highlands in Louisville, Kentucky. Go in the shop, mention the Bar Star podcast, and you will get 10% off your tattoo by any artist in the shop. Uh, I got some pictures this afternoon, actually, of a former guest, a Bar Star alumni, if you will. Uh, I will not mention him. He will tell me eventually when I can, but he sent me a picture today of the line drawing and the outline that is on his arm he is in the chair as i speak into this microphone so it's pretty cool so again make sure you check out the barstarpodcast.com and check out my sponsor prophecy inc this week on the show i uh, i got to sit down with a buddy of mine named todd blankenship uh, some of you in louisville know him a lot of you in louisville actually know him i did not know him very well him and I reconnected when Kevin McCreary passed away a couple years ago. We had briefly known each other uh, when I first moved here, and then he was gone because he moved to L.A., and we discuss all that in the episode while we are talking. Uh, but there's no social media issues, no what are you listening to, no stories from the stage, there's none of that. It's just a pretty cool conversation between Todd and I. He's done a lot of shit that I had no idea that he's done, which is really, really cool. And like I said, we get into all that shortly. But before we get to my conversation with Todd, I, well, let me rephrase that. Stacy and I went to see Candlebox last Sunday, if you're listening to this on post day, which is Thursday, October 25th. Uh, this past Sunday, Stacy and I went to see Candlebox, and they kicked ass. And it was kind of cool because, for me, it was kind of cool because the drummer for Candlebox, who is on this current tour, is Dave Cruzen. Dave Cruzen, for those that do not keep up with who drummers are, he was the guy that played all the drums on the Pearl Jam debut record, 
10. Uh, there's a lot of really cool parts on there, and he's the one that played all that stuff. And he also was in Mother Love Bone for a minute, if I'm not mistaken. So that was kind of cool to see him. But the uh, the other two guitar players and the bass player that the lead singer for Candlebox had with him was awesome. They put on a really good show. Uh, that was at the Mercury Ballroom. And the band that opened up for them was a band from Cincinnati called Brent James and the Vintage Youth. It was a very, very cool band. I really dig those guys. I, uh, I do highly recommend you check them out. Really good band. The singer's got a great voice. Uh, kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Peter Searcy. Some of you will know who Peter is. Some of you will not. Uh, hopefully I can get Peter on the show eventually. Uh, but he's got he's in kind of that upper register. A great singer, great frontman. The whole band was really, really good. They put on a great show. Uh, I've listened to the record a couple times. They actually have two records and an EP. Uh, I've only been through one record, and forgive me, I can't remember the name of it right now. But uh, I would highly suggest you guys go check out that band. Again, they are Brent James and the Vintage Youth. So that's all that I've got for right now. Uh, I've got some other stuff coming up. I've got some cool stuff coming up, um, but I don't want to bore you with all my silly details. Uh, but thank you again for all your support. You guys are awesome. And uh, with that, let's get to my conversation with my buddy, Todd Blankenship. Mm, look at all that numbers. Oh my God, that's so pretty. So I am hanging out with, um, who the hell are you again? What's your uh, name? Nobody, I'm just the writer. <laughs> I actually want to buy a shirt that says, I'm just the writer. That's all I really want to be. <laughs> just stuck in a room just, alone with my, my computer. I just want to be a writer. Yeah. Just leave me alone and let me go sulk in my room and write nasty things. Right. Todd Blankenship, uh, otherwise known as... Uh, J.T. Quinn. It's my nom de plume. My, your so, nom de plume. Yeah, if you look up Todd Blankenship, and you'll never, you, you just won't find anything. <laughs> Internet void. This is like J.T. Quinn. There's like eight credits. Nice. <laughs> but, so. Well, we, we will get into all that stuff because there's actually a lot about you I don't know. And a lot of people say that to me, oddly enough. Well, I, I don't know if you realize this, but us on the outside of your circle, you don't talk much. You don't talk about the things you've done or that you're involved in. Kind of like a one person I know. What's his name? Uh, oh, yeah. Jesse Vest. He's the same one. Oh. Jesse doesn't talk about Jesse. shit. Oh, I do too. He was on the show. He was, yeah. I love him, but he doesn't talk about anything. I don't, I, don't, I don't talk about a lot of stuff with a lot of people. My past is kind of, I, when I start dragging stuff up, I get, I was not always the nicest dude. That's okay. That's right. <laughs> I, my wife tells me daily I'm an asshole. I'm like, I'm yeah. not an asshole. I'm just not sugar and spice yeah that's the part of my job that i don't like is the whole social networking right that's mm -hmm. absolutely essential so. i suck at it so we're gonna start at the beginning because my memory blows and my audience knows that and you probably remember that yeah i don't remember how we met <sighs> let's see if you do uh I, <laughs> I think you were you started you came down and started you were playing with 99 mph maybe nope never no. fail one was you a band with Jack? Were you in a band with Jack? Later. Okay. He was in Tark Bus later, much Tark later. Tark Bus, that's what it was. We, if I'm not mistaken, we met when I was in Heaven Hill. Yes, we did, because I used to be the, the stage manager for Breckenridge. Mm -hmm. And then they split. I actually moved. That's right about the time I moved to L.A. 
Mm-hmm. So I think we met a couple times while you were playing with them, but mm-hmm. then I shortly after moved to California. You did. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's why it was kind of funny because when uh, when Kevin passed, unfortunately, he you were here for something, and you walked up to me and you squeezed me really hard, and I went, "Who are you?" <laughs> you remember that? I've got that face that everybody knows, and like. But I don't know his name because he never speaks. He doesn't talk much, but I I know I know you. Yeah. But you moved to L.A. to be a writer. Yeah, you know my. It's funny. I I grew up just in love with film. Mm-hmm. I used to walk from my grandmother's house, which is right by the Bachelor Manor Mall. Right now, you're to, from here originally, though. Yeah, right? I, okay. I grew up here. Okay. I, and like I was born at Baptist East, you know, and then I I. Lived here until I was like seven, and then we moved to Southern Indiana for a while, and and I've, I've since then bounced back and forth. But Louisville is what I call home. Gotcha. Even though I'm like a child of the plant trap, I move. I've lived in like 14 states. I, I'm in with like you. Three dude. separate countries. <laughs> I haven't done the country. I'm such a thing, nomad, but but, um, but has always been home to me. That's why we're, we're actually moving back here next April. We're, oh, are you? Really? Yeah, we're gonna buy a house someplace. I've not figured out where yet, but nice. Yeah, I, I just I feel home here. All my all my really true true friends are all from Louisville. I mean, I've got great friends in LA, but not the kind of friends I have in Louisville. Right. Yeah. <laughs> somebody wow, that was pretty cool. Fun. So we we are in a a secret location that I cannot disclose yet. Mm. In the coming weeks on the show, kids, I will tell you where I am, where we are sitting I right now. Todd knows, uh, but I'm yeah. not telling you, freaks. Anyway. So, I uh, so I've lived in LA for thirteen years, right? And and uh, but you went out there to specifically write for movies, right? Yeah, and I was I I was horrible writer when I moved out there, and I had no (laughs) idea how bad it was. It was awful. You should see my first screenplay is just a fucking mess, man. It's two hundred and ninety pages of just dribble. (laughs) It's a really good concept, but screenwriting is is an art. All its own. It's not like any other kind of writing because it's so condensed. Right. Like you want to describe the world that you're in, but you can't do it in a whole ton of words because it bores people, especially in our business. Right. I get that. So it's all like, you know, one sentence descriptives, average room, you know, works better than me describing the average room to a T. Right. Which you can do in a novel and it's fine. You don't have time to do that in a screenplay and it doesn't make a difference at all. Right. Like you write average room. Instead of, you know, on the wall, there's a painted white, there's a black flag hanging. (laughs) Nobody cares. Right. It doesn't make a difference as I'm telling the story. All the difference comes in the dialogue. So, right. They always talk about in screenwriting, you want to see more white on the page than black (laughs) because it means you got a lot of dialogue in there, actually. You mean no Frank Zappa black page? No, man. But then then you get people like like my one one of my idols, Wes Anderson, you know who writes these beautiful descriptives and breaks every single screenwriting rule there is, you know, and, and it's, I love reading his scripts cause they're so, you can see he paints the world so well. Right. You know, and then you get guys like Aaron Sorkin who it's nothing but dialogue, <laughs> you know, it's like 300 pages of script. I, I literally, I just took his master class and he's like, I haven't turned in a script that's less than 300 pages in years, but it's all dialogue. So it shoots a whole ton faster. Right. People are talking. And it, he just he doesn't do descriptives at all. Uh, well, so. let me ask you this because I don't know um, when you 
when that stuff gets, um, I guess, filmed or whatever, or put in production, mm -hmm. do they bring in the team after or a team afterwards to bring the quote screenplay to life? If they're doing screenplay to life, it's easy for me to say. If they're doing, for example, what you just said, there it's a whole 300 pages of dialogue. Do they bring in another team to go? Okay, we got the dialogue part. Now let's build the world, so to speak. Well, no, is I mean, that it's, how it's that all works? creative decisions that are made by the director and the production designer. Gotcha. So the world that they live in is created by the team on the set. So as a writer, it's it's a really difficult line because you want to get your world across, mm -hmm. but you can't direct the actors or gotcha. the director. Gotcha. So and it's, I see it a lot, like. And I used to do it myself all the time. So I also I also read for a screenplay contest called the Cinequest Film Festival. Mm -hmm. um, and you see it a lot in younger writers that they just don't. They'll they, they they direct parenthetically, so they'll they'll tell you where they want to cut, or ah. what emotion they want the actor to in parentheses. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and you it's it's like a newbie mistake that I I actually make all the time. Right. So when you see that, you know that's that's the you know. A new writer and it's hard not to do that because you want your world out there but it's it's really thin artistic line because films unlike any other art are like stupidly collaborative and if you don't have everybody on the same page knowing their job and like you have to have the argument about the world right but you have to also have to know when to just say, eh, I'm a writer. Eh, yeah. I'm just the writer. I'm gonna, I'm gonna shut the fuck up now. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so it's, it's, it's weird. It's, it's a totally different kind of writing that you have to study. And it's when I read these scripts in this contest, it's the thing that irritates me the most about who I used to be as a writer. Is I didn't when I, I first thought I could write, and right. I, I write. I still wrote very well, but not screenplay formatted style which is a whole different beast and right and now i can open up a file and instantly know if the person knows what they're doing gotcha like, and without even reading a word you know if it's for like i had a guy I, a, a, a script i was reading the other day and the person put quotes around every line of dialogue you just you know you don't do that so then right. if you if you know if they uh, haven't taken the time to figure out proper formatting, then they probably haven't taken the time to figure out a lot of other stuff. So it's like, yeah. But I, and then at the end, I'm like, I used to be that person. So I read, I've, so I've read this year, I've read, for this contest, I've read 76 scripts so far. Oy. And they average about 100 pages. Um, and then we get feedback on them too. But, you know, I see a lot of, who I used to be in these writers. So right. I, I take the time to read them all, but man, it's like eight a week. Sometimes it's hard. Ooh, that's brutal. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, and you were very, um, what's the word? Gracious. You were gracious enough to read my book. Oh, it was a great book too. Yeah. No, I wasn't looking for a compliment, but thank no, you. No, but yeah. no, I loved it. It, uh, well, the reason I brought it up before you were going to say what you were going to say is because you did that to me. You gave me ideas and you said, think about this, look at it this way. Think about it from this perspective. In everything you gave me, I've gone back because I'm still, mm. I'm in my eighth or ninth round of edits, whatever the hell it is. Oh, the writing is not, writing oh. is rewriting. That's oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> um, but I've taken a lot of that stuff that you've told, that you told me in those emails we had, and I went, yeah. oh, yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. I never thought about that. So it's cool to somebody like me, which I do not consider myself a writer, right. 
I, I'm better at writing than I am You've talking. You're a writer. That's what okay. makes you actually Fine. a writer. You write, All right, then I'll take if it. You write. You heard it here first, kids. I'm a writer. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm better at writing than I am at talking. Yeah. Like I can convey thoughts almost perfectly on paper more than I can that's, talking. That's exactly why I'm a writer. Because <laughs> sometimes when I'm talking, I'm like, I just get to the my point. My brain where doesn't I, work in conjunction with my mouth. Right. Mine doesn't either because usually I just end up going, fuck. <laughs> And then I'm done. I, yeah. just, I don't even care at that point. Yeah. So I, but it was cool. The reason I'm tying my, you reading my book into what you were just talking about, it's cool when you have somebody that's got experience and has gone through a bunch of shit that knows more than you about whatever the subject is. And then you can look back on it and go, well, try this, 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 and this. And you go, fuck, I never thought about that. Why didn't I ever think about that? Well, yeah, that's just experience. I'm that's always taking some kind of class. Mm-hmm. Like right now I'm getting three degrees in film. But I do it because you're smart. <laughs> just, just or you're a glutton for punishment. Yeah, probably that. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I, one of the I take these classes, and and I know ninety five percent of the material, but I always find one little thing that makes right. me a better writer. Right. Um, like right now, I'm taking this mythology in class, and it's all about the hero's journey model and Joseph Campbell, and it's. It's amazing. I love my just my. I get excited when I go to this class on nice. Wednesday nights. I'm like, yeah, hey, I gotta go class. Yeah. I gotta go. Um, and I love it, but it, it's writing. It, it's you know some people do it alone, but honestly, it's it's collaborative too. You have to you have to have an editor or an audience that you trust, right, to get opinions, and you don't always have to listen to them. But it's valuable to, oh, to have every, other people read it and really sharply critique you. Yeah. I've had the people that are just going, oh, that's great. It's awesome. It's the best thing ever. I don't want me you. personally. Yeah. I don't want that. I want you to tell me what's wrong with it, whatever yeah. it is, whether it's the, my book or my music or any of that shit. I've always been open to criticism. And like you, I, I won't, you don't have to listen to it exactly what you just said, but at the same time, you should be open to it because if you're not, you're never going to grow. Oh, you consider it. Yeah, you got to. I think the best art comes out of great collaboration. Honestly, the best stuff is, you know, but I mean, some people are just geniuses and can write, but like I say, right. So some of my idols uh, writing wise, like Stephen King, mm-hmm. love him. And he's got, I mean, he's, he has a office in his uh, house in Maine. Right. And it's on the top floor of his house and he goes up there to write and on the walls going up, he has a spiral staircase. He goes up and on the walls going up are all these framed letters and they're all rejection letters. Right. And he uses it as motivation as he climbs to his third story office in his giant house. <laughs> you know, I mean, people were brutal to him. Like, you should never write another word. Right. And I've gotten a couple of those. So I've got one framed. <laughs> Do you? Yeah, oh, yeah. Nice. I wrote, I wrote a, the sitcom that I did like five years ago. You I were wrote telling a, me about I wrote that. an HBO version of it that just had a lot of cussing. And, and whoever was reading it was just an angry person. And they were like, the girl that you've written here is letting the band talk to them. Like, no girl, whatever. I'm like, no. She's not only till the end of, of this sitcom that she start to speak up for herself. And I'm like, okay, this is a sitcom pilot. Right. And if I start off with the perfect character, where's her journey? You know, like, <laughs> she doesn't have one. But she was so angry that this woman was being talked down to by the band members. I'm like, I've spent time on the road. This yeah. is... That's real life. It's, yeah, it's kind of... That shit happens. Yeah, I know. She's like, and bands don't talk to each other like that either. Because I had the guys like calling each other names and stuff. I'm like, oh yeah, oh that, yeah. I got in a fight, <laughs> fist fight with like eighteen different band members I've been in bands with. Like, 
<laughs> I mean, I, me and Frank Green got to a tussle, I think, in the back of, uh, or maybe Scott, in Chattanooga, in the back of the box truck. We were loading our shit. <laughs> I mean, and then the next day we're like, hey, I love you. You know, it's uh, like, it's, it's yeah. how it is on the road. It did, it happens. You, you get into each other sometimes. Absolutely. And she's like, oh, bands, they have more more respect for each other. I'm like, no. No. What rock band were you in that, <laughs> that somebody didn't get cussed out on a daily basis? I'll just say it now, bitch. So, yeah. So. <laughs> It was, it's and it's great motivation for me. I love it. I didn't, like I when we were shooting that show, I had that in a in my briefcase every day. Did you really? Yeah. yeah. Nice. I um I haven't framed any of mine, and but I've gotten I don't know nine or ten rejections, but I have them saved in a folder. Do you know uh, my email? Uh, um, J.K. Rowling. I think she got turned down like forty three times. Oh yeah. Well, my favorite author... And, and now is the author of the biggest book series on the planet oh, ever. Yeah. My favorite author, who my right arm tattoo is... My right arm sleeve is based off of. Um, I saw her do a... Uh, um, I, I guess you could call it a Q&A, whatever. She talked for like two hours. It was awesome. But she started her whole thing with... She got rejected 227 times. Yeah, you got to use Noah's motivation, honestly. Really. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And now every time before she even releases a book, her pre-sale is, is number one on best New York Times bestseller list that's, first. That's awesome. yeah. Now, she's not as, as big and as well-known as the Harry Potter shit, but still, I mean, she's super successful. She's got two book series. Uh, I don't remember how many is in the other one, but the one I read is 26 books and 27 is coming out next year. Dude, if I can actually just make a living as a writer, I would I'd be the happiest person in the world. Just enough money to pay my bills. I wouldn't care. I don't have to make J.K. Oh, yeah. Rowling. I don't have to own a castle. No, I I, uh, I agree. I, I do not have to own a castle either, nor do I want to. That's a lot of shit to actually, clean. Actually, we were going to try to shoot. There's a new distillery down in Frankfurt now called Castle and Key. And I tried to get hold of them. I was the one to shoot part of my upcoming feature in there. And they're like, we're not quite ready for a film yet. Yeah. <laughs> I want to use your castle in the middle of Kentucky because it's just freaking weird. You talking about that castle in Versailles? Yeah, I think it's done. It's done. Yeah, I was, um, I was supposed to have a private party book there. I was supposed to play. And uh, it, they came back. They rejected it because they weren't ready or something. I don't That's what, what they told me, yeah. too. Yeah, so. No, we're not ready. We, then, like, then why'd you rent out the venue? <laughs> yeah, we're actually luckily we're really lucky that uh, so the reason I'm shooting that movie here is because you like I, I, I know tons of people here mm -hmm. and and I spent so long in the music industry <laughs> I'm like calling in every single favor I've ever had <laughs> like remember that time 15 years ago when that guy was gonna punch you in the face and I said move yeah, you owe me <laughs> you you owe me yeah, you can work get for hit me for face. free yeah <laughs> come do me a salad <laughs> yeah well, I'll do whatever you need. Just call me. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, you know, everything from like, are we using, uh, so there's also a tax credit. And so I, here's, here's something I'm going to get up on a soapbox for a second. Go ahead. Um, the state of Kentucky has a wonderful, had last year, a wonderful, uh, 35% tax credit for films. So what happens is if you come into Kentucky and you shoot a film here right. and you spend 80% of your budget in Kentucky, mm -hmm. all right, they give you a tax credit on your taxes. So, it, it, like my film is is ultra low budget, so it's the budget is two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, right? Um, which is 
not a lot of money. But in movie wise, it's not. But in, so not a lot. It's in actually, real life, that's a lot of money. money. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> especially when you're financing your own film. Don't do this at home, kids. Don't try this. Me and Kevin Smith are insane. Um, so they give you that tax credit, but for some reason they don't think it's a good idea. So they've suspended the program. They're looking into it. They commissioned a research and I've talked to Tim Bates at the film office and he's like, look, last year, uh, they, they had $13 million worth of, of tax credits they gave out and they brought in $50 million worth of income to the state. And if you look at like New Orleans and Atlanta right now, right. that's they're doing that. So I know California, there's a lot of shit. California capped their, their tax credit and everybody started leaving. So everybody's, I mean, I have friends that are just moving to Atlanta because they're getting tons of work down there. I have two friends, really good friends that my, my, my stunt coordinator on my current film, John Ania, I mean, he just got off, he did Pirates of the Caribbean and then the new Avengers movie. And then he was just on, uh, the rookie, the new show with Nathan Fillion. Oh yeah. Yeah. And he I've did them all back to back. He's like, I moved to Atlanta. I haven't stopped working since. And he lived in LA because they mess with the tax credit, but it brings in so much money. So. I don't think that the legislature gets how it works, really, right? Because they're not movie people. So, but it 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 that kind of, this is the kind of program that brings jobs to a place that needs jobs. Oh, for sure. I mean, you're talking about everything from above the line producer work to just you know, blue collar grip work. It's and it's hundreds of jobs in a film and millions of dollars. And if you push that program, you just get more and more and more. Yep. And then like they're building studios and. New Orleans, New Orleans, or uh, Louisiana stopped doing it for a year, and every studio left. And then they brought it back, and now they're building actual studios in uh, New Orleans now because it's so easy to make movies there. Right. And I would think that Louisville would want to be that way because we have such a great art scene here. Oh, for sure. You know, I mean, we have a the the Kentucky Art Center is just wonderful programs. Um, the music scene here is is always been like a nationally hidden gem it is and it's yeah. i've been here 11 years um because i'm a transplant and i've seen it i call it the roller coaster yeah it ebbs and flows but yeah it's, you know and, you can always find solid musicians here right well what the i was best gonna musicians say, in the world i've ever seen are from louisville i, I would agree with that I, what i was going to say is like probably the last year it's been down yeah and I, now it's climbing back out yeah. i've seen this two or three times since i've been here so I think the music scene is going to explode again like it was when I first got here 11 years ago. I love editing. Um, It's going to explode like it was when I first got here. But the reason I bring that up is because if you've got a great music scene and a great art scene and then that whole creative dynamic and then you start bringing in film and TV or however you want to word it. I mean, They feed off each other. Fuck yeah, they do. Absolutely. It makes it a better place. So. I actually call Louisville, like, Louisville to me is a tiny version of L.A. It's L.A. without the freaking traffic. It really is. Because mm-hmm. you get, I mean, you get really solid concerts, especially since they put the Yum Center in, so you get really good national concerts come through. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's always kind of been that way. But you have touring productions yep. of Broadway stuff that come through the Arts mm-hmm. Center. You know, you've got really good museums here. So it's, it's a cultural town. Yeah, I, and for then, sure. And is. then it's now it's becoming a foodie town, so the restaurants are right. amazing here now. <laughs> I'm like, I want to, and that's why we're moving back because, well, I don't need to live in LA anymore because I know enough people. But it's just, I, I, LA, I love LA. The traffic, dude. 
Oh, I've heard. My God. <laughs> it controls your I've life. Heard, I've, I've heard. Well, it's funny when people, and even though I've been here 11 years, I'm used to it, but it's funny when people bitch about traffic here. Cause oh, I'm, they do. I've, I'm, like, I've dude, I'm like, seriously, it takes me like 30 minutes to go across this town in the worst traffic. I'm, I love this place. Yeah. I, I, I moved up here from Atlanta. Fuck you guys. You, yeah, I, you don't I, have so I, here's, here's how bad LA is. I live 12 miles from the beach. Right. I've been there once this year. Because it's just a pain in the ass to drive two hours miles. to get there. It's two hours there, two hours back <laughs> to go twelve miles. Yeah, might and as well if, walk. If, if you go on the if you go on the weekends, everybody's at the beach, right? So it's stupid packed. But if you go during the weekday, the traffic sucks. I can't so. believe though that. Well, I mean, I guess I can because it's probably the way <laughs> the city's built that their their transit system is better. Stacy and I went to New York in July. And she had never been. Oh, public I, transit is great there. Yeah, I've been to New York a few times. It's my favorite place in the world. But it, it, it's amazing how many fucking people live in that city. And yes, there's traffic problems, but you don't have a shit ton of traffic problems because everybody either walks, takes yeah. a subway, rides a bus, whatever. And it's really well, it's cool. LA is so spread out, though. You have to have a car. Like, yeah, right. that's true. I mean, you could do public transportation there, but it, it's so spread out. It takes forever. It's just, you know, it's almost as long as driving to get on a subway. But everybody in LA likes that independence of driving. All right. So, everybody just, in LA is so independent. I just I just stay home, man. I, really, <laughs> like, I don't go out much because I just hate driving in traffic. I, I I'm I'm very um, hermity. I'm, I'm not a I'm not the nicest driver. I'm, I'm, You're filled with quiet road rage. <laughs> yeah, I don't really chase people down, but I. I, I've stopped. I've, it's got so bad that I've stopped flipping people off and started giving them the thumbs up instead because it makes me smile. <laughs> and I like, I get so aggravated all the time. I, it's, I went the other direction with it. So I, I like, ah, you're number one. I love you, man. Instead of go fuck yourself, you asshole. Just cut me off because you wanted to cross three lanes and, you know, you're number one. Yeah. I mean, I, I got hit by that driver like two years ago. I got hit by the guy who was too busy to fucking. Uh, turned into his lane and he turned into my lane. <laughs> I was going to work the other day. This total squirrel moment. There's a big giant hole on the ramp to 64 off of 264. And when I say big giant hole, it's as wide as a car. Holy crap. And this chick cut over three, cut over three easy for me to say. I can't talk today. It's Sunday, that's why. This chick cut over three lanes of traffic and hit that thing. Wham! And Ooh. I heard she was probably... Cut-clunk. 10 car lengths for me and I heard her hit it and I heard both of her front tires pop. No kidding. That's how hard she hit that thing trying to cut over. Pac-Man them? Uh, yeah, I was like, you dumb bitch. What that's the what fuck you, is the matter with you? That's what you get for cutting over that's three what you, get, yeah. you know, you could have went down one more exit to Breckenridge and did a loop and know, just came the back thing up. That kills me. It's like, <laughs> Everybody, nobody's concerned with anybody else but them. Like, I want to do this right now. Yeah, I, I have to do, do this right now. now. I'm, I'm the most important person ever. Yeah. So I tell. I'm not me. I'm like, I did, literally, I will go. I'm too lazy to turn there. I'm gonna come back. <laughs> Just watch. It. Yep, Miss Megs. Okay. <laughs> I'll drive five more miles. Turn around. I don't, it's the greatest thing about being self-employed is like I really don't even need a clock. Or a calendar, right? When I unless I, uh, I have something like this, where I've got to be someplace on time. Yeah, and then I've got an assistant who tells me where I'm supposed to be. So I'm like, shit, <laughs> I uh, I was talking about that with with Stacy a couple of days ago. Um, when I wrote my book, I didn't I didn't have a day job. I took a year and a half off work or whatever, and all I did was gig and write my book, and it was 
awesome because I was I was still up early. Mm-hmm. I was up by seven ish, seven thirty, and eight thirty or whatever. My hour after I'm fully dressed, I'm sitting at my computer, I'm writing, and then I'm looking at the clock, and it's three in the afternoon. And I went, sweet. I don't have anywhere to be. I'm gonna take a nap. It's kind of <laughs> liberating, right? Like when I first started doing it, it is. I was like. I should be worried. What am I supposed to be doing? Oh, nothing. This is awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's there's no anywhere to be. There's no all. pressure. There's no yeah. stress. But it's a, it's a, I'm, but I still got shit done, which was cool. Well, it's the thing. is is And kudos to you because a lot of people want to be the writer. And it, 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 to me, it doesn't matter if you're published or not. If you finish something, mm-hmm. you are a writer. But you have to sit down and do it. Oh yeah, and it's the problem with most people is they like oh, they procrastinate it because they think, and I had this problem too. They think that when they sit down, they have to write the perfect page, and that doesn't exist. No, absolutely. I mean, the, the not. first draft you ever write of anything should just be absolute crap. I, I would agree. Somewhere in writing that crap, you'll find a diamond. Right, and then you take that and throw everything else away and work off, and it, that's how you get good ideas. But if you don't treat it like a job, because it's a job. Oh yeah, I, I you don't do it. I wrote six really? days a week when I that whole yeah, when I took that to. year and a half off. Yeah, I, the Sunday was the only day I didn't write. And 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 that and usually because a couple hundred page book that you got, you probably really wrote a couple thousand pages. Oh yeah, before you even got your first draft. Oh yeah, and then you just got to set it to the side and come back and really harshly criticize your own work and a lot of mm-hmm. people don't have the courage to do that no and that's why i did it the way i did it um and i can't i'm so i don't know what number you are you're like 35 or 34 in my episodes i don't know i started in january so i know it's so cool i've always wanted to do a podcast but i'm oh. too lazy because <laughs> <laughs> you ain't got no schedule it takes effort and work and <laughs> yeah but you could here's the beauty just FYI, you could do it at home. You still I have know. to leave. You I'm just not. That, I'm leave. not as interesting as you. I uh, do. I got I like one good show of me, and I'm done. No, I'm not. I'm not interesting. I just, I, I, I have very weird outlooks on shit. Yeah. I don't think I'm interesting. I think I'm slightly on some days, kind of, sort of humorous, but that's it. No, oh, you, you. I love your show. It's actually really fun. I, oh, thanks. Honestly, there's a lot of my friends on it. So I, True. I saw people that I know. I'm like, I know those guys. They're famous. True. <laughs> but what I was going to say is, I don't know if I've talked about this on the show or not. I know I've talked about dropping out of high school three times and all that, and I got my good enough degree. But um, if I've told this story, you guys bear with me. This is for your benefit because you're sitting okay. in front of me. When I dropped out of high school three times, I moved, I left home at 13. So I had to, it was roof. Food or high school? Fuck high school. I want a roof and food. Roof and food. Yeah, so good. when I got into adulthood, my mid-20s or whatever, I went to, uh, uh, I forgot the name of the fucking college, some kind of technical college. Anyway, I started, I was going to take a bunch of English courses. Because mm-hmm. even though I was always playing, I was like, well, I need to do something else to come up with some sort of backup plan. I never wanted to be a, quote, writer. I was thinking, well, maybe I could do some editorial stuff or newspaper stuff or whatever. Not journalistic or any of that shit. I didn't have a whole plan, but the point of the story I'm getting at is I took an English 100 course in the first day or the first week, whatever it was, we had to write uh, some sort of essay about something. I don't remember any of that. The point is when I turned it in, the professor took me outside and he goes, I need to see you outside. And I was like, oh, fuck, man. I've been in school a week and a half. Come on, bro. Did I write something that pissed him off? What the fuck did I do now? And he takes me out in the hall and he shut the door and he says, what are you doing here? And I said, uh, learning? 
I, I hope he goes, no, I'm serious. What are you doing here? And he hands me my paperback and it was like a with four pluses or whatever, like the mm-hmm. chick from <laughs> Christmas story. Plus, plus, plus. Um, and he said, you need to be in English 102. And I said, I'm sorry, do what? Right. He said, yeah, you, you're, you don't need to be in this class. I don't know why you're here. And I went, dude, I'm not going to English 102. I'll stay in English 100 and be dumb with the rest of you fuckers. The point is, that's one small regret I have. I should have went ahead and, and bit the bullet and just took it and went to 102 right. just to see if I could do it. There's that's school right down the street, man. Go back. Fuck that. That's where the whole writing a book kind of stemmed from because after I went through my divorce, yeah. I kept thinking about that. I was like, what if I don't went to English 102? What would have happened? See, I made the I, so I made this commitment to myself when I was like 26 years old. I I literally looked at myself in the mirror. Did you just use the L word? That's the second time. I didn't catch you the first time. L. Did I say like? Literally. Literally. It means literally. Lame. So I looked at myself in the mirror. <laughs> I, I'm old. I got to keep with my thought, or I lose it. <laughs> Like, what 20, was I thinking about? You, you Tell me what I was saying three seconds ago. You were 26 and you looked at yourself. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I said to myself, I said, uh, 26-year-old self, I never want to look back on my life and say, I wish I would have. Right. So that's one of those, you're, that's a, I wish I would have moment. And I I don't have many I of do those. dumb stuff <laughs> because <laughs> I, like, I don't want to say, I wish I would have. I, I, I honestly and legitimately don't have many of those. I have like maybe three in my entire life. What I did, I mean, one of mine was not finishing my degree from U of L. Right. So I went, uh, and I'm, I'm getting three degrees now <laughs> yeah, so at the smart. same time. And they're all like degrees nobody cares about. So it's like <laughs> but you care about Nobody in the movie industry cares if you have a screenwriting degree or a directing degree. or it's, As long as you can write, they can give a shit, man. Right. It's more for me. Than just, just no, like I, dude, dude, I get it. I get it. There's, I don't have a whole lot of regrets in life. And that was one. And it's not even a big one. It's a like a smidge of one. Because I don't know where it would have taken me. What, right. Because what, what music and drums will always be first for me. That's a fucking given. But I don't know where it could have taken me if I would have pursued it. Right. I mean, maybe I could have got into journalism. I don't know. Maybe I'd have loved it. I just, I've never had any desire to be. I always get at people ask me if I want to write articles for a magazine. I'm like, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> not even. No desire. There's a travel blog place that wanted me. I'm like, I love to travel, but I really don't want to write about it. No, not so much. Well, I did. I get it. I, I don't know if I would want to write every day, like normal writing. I mean, and, and I'm no by no means complaining about writing my book, but it was a fucking bitch. It's labor, man. And I think it was a bitch because I had to write about me. Right. Does that make sense? But I had to make the, you've read the book, so you know that it's not quote, whoops, I'm sitting right next to my drum kit. So you have, you've read my book, so you know that it's not about me, about me. It's about my musical journey, but just, I still had to wade through all the shit of my life. See, I think it's a lot deeper than that. I think it's, it's, it's obviously your book and it's about you, but I think it resonates. I love the name Barstar. Shanks. Because it's, it's what I am. Every, (laughs) it's, but it's a million people across the United States, men and women, black and white. It's, it, and that's how they make their money and, Mm But it, they do it out of love for the art, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, it takes a, a real love for something that once you realize I'm not going to ever be the rock star that I wanted to be when I was no. a teenager no. and playing in stadiums, I'm not going to be Bono. 
Well, especially yeah, like, now, that shit doesn't exist. There's no music business. Yeah, it's and it's yeah, it's such a hard industry. It's, it's music, oh. music and film, <laughs> the two hardest industries in the world. True, but I will say, from an outside perspective, you can correct me if I'm wrong. But at least film, as a majority, compared to the music industry, at least film people still make money. <laughs> well, it's yes, no. It's, it's it's a changing beast with Netflix and Amazon. Mm, it's true. uh it's, I, I love some of their models and the way they're like, they, I just read an article and we hear that, that Amazon just spent $250 million to buy just the rights for the Lord of the Rings series no that shit. they're doing. And that's before they spent a penny on production. But the only reason they can do stuff like that is because filmmakers like me who make small indie movies, you know, they buy those properties up and they appropriate them as new content and they do it all over the world, and then they release them globally. So oh. they're buying. I watch. I watch so much stuff from like Britain. I, I just got done watching the show called Norsemen. Have you seen it? Uh-uh. It's like a comedy. It's a, a Viking comedy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Vikings, like the TV show Vikings. It's, they're fully dressed, like sets and everything. They go to battle, but it's it's so fucking funny. It's always awkward silence moments. Like they cut one guy's hands off the other day, and then he got metal hands. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, it's just funny. It's, I love British humor. I do too. So I watch. I've been. I've been. Most of the shows I watch now are from different parts of the world. I mean, my wife is Thai, so we watch Thai stuff. Right. You know, and we watch a lot of Korean shows. And do you watch a Good Doctor? Uh, no, I'm not seeing it. The only reason I ask is because it was. A, it was. Um, it's a. Adapted, I think is the right word. Yeah, it is. It was adapted from a Korean television show um, that was on, I don't know, 20 years ago. Um, And the premise is the the doctor, one of the main characters is a surgeon, but he has severe autism. So he's kind of a fruitcake in a funny way because right. he doesn't understand like normal he's got shit. got no social boundaries. Yeah, nothing at all. Those are funny You're going to die. And I was just like, wait, what? But the way they write it in a... Freddie, uh, I think it's Freddie Highmore, Sizemore. Shit, I can't remember the actor's name. Doesn't matter. Point is, it's a great show. But it was adopted from a, a Korean TV show. It was really cool. Um, Stacy and I watch it. We love it. Yeah, Koreans are big right now on the on, on like. Have you heard of food porn? I've heard the terms. So they have these TV shows now, and they're great, and we watch them. But they a lot of them center around like restaurants or meals mm-hmm. and they'll do these long exaggerated shots of them putting the noodles in their mouth or like <laughs> eating a piece of cake you know it's like oddly sexual food eating fully it's, dressed though oh yeah fully dressed and they're all like <laughs> and slurping it in oh this is so good you know, it's, like, it's it's fucking great man i thought you were gonna tell me it was no, but naked it, chicks with sushi and it's, all it's over it's starting them. to make its way here so watch like tv shows you're watching now they'll have those kind of scenes in them because people dig that shit. They like food. So if you food pour it up a little bit in your production, <laughs> you get a couple extra up. hits, you know, <laughs> you said food oh. porn and extra hits. That's right. <laughs> I love you for that. Oh man. I'd say this film that I'm making now, I was going to ask you about that is, uh, it's opened my mind to such weird stuff. It's the first horror movie I've ever done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't realize I went back and looked at all my ideas that all the stuff I've written. I didn't realize how much horror. Sixty percent of the stuff that I have ideas about are horror movies. I had no idea. 
And I, I was, it shock, kind of shocked me because I don't really like, I don't like slasher films. Right. I like thriller, suspense, Alfred Hitchcock kind of, you know, things that would, yeah, with I don't, a little blood in them, but not, I don't, not a big Jason. No, I'm, I fan, can't stand like horror movies. Amityville horror, like stuff that could really happen, you know, like possession and religious things. They scare the crap out of me because <laughs> they're real. <laughs> they could be, yes. So this, this one I'm doing, it's, it's actually, it's called You Should Run. Um, can I walk instead? Yeah. I got and fucked we, up knees, bro. I, I too, dude. I, I just got a brand new knee. Did you? Yeah. You look shiny. Look at that. Dude, hit me. I got a brand new knee. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I just called you a knee shiny. It's a that was thriller weird. horror. Yeah, it's, it's kind of shiny. <laughs> I can't. I, you know what aggravated me most about getting this? What? I now can't use my TSA pre check. I have to go through that. Damn. I'm like, I wasted 80 bucks. <laughs> And I still got to take my damn computer out of my bag because my knee sets off the metal detector. Fuck. You. Fuck. Anyway, back to the movie. Oh, yeah. So it's a, it's a thriller horror. Mm-hmm. And it literally is my commentary on how far people will go to increase their social media profile and how people take religion and twist it to what they want it to be. So it's about a family that's like a nuclear family of four, right. you know, um, who makes their living as a YouTube family. Uh, and they want to, uh, they hire a photographer to go to and photograph their family getaway in the woods for the weekend. And when they get to the woods, they hunt the photographer and her assistant live on the internet for sport. And they take bets around the world globally. <laughs> and it turns out, so it turns out the mom is the leader of this cult that believes that Mary was the chosen one and not Jesus. And she believes she is a direct descendant of Mary herself. She calls herself the mother. You're a twisted fuck. It it is fucking, but it's, I mean, I based it kind of on the snake cult from Eastern Kentucky. The ones that probably hear this and send me a snake or something, but they they use the rattlesnakes in their church services. Like the bar star podcast. That's, that's exactly like my thing. It's like, People take religion and twist it oh, absolutely. away from what it is to fit their needs and values. Mm-hmm. You know, I like, and it, it's, it's so prolific right now, especially with the way our political climate is. I mean, it's look at you. You got gonna throw yeah. some sports at me next? Well, it is. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. <laughs> we're going to watch the Niners game later today. Let's go. <laughs> me and Scott Clark. <laughs> Hi, Scott. <laughs> Hi, buddy. We thought we were going to have a good season this year. And stop, then fucking stop, Jimmy Garoppolo stop, decided I'll shut he you down. I'll, I'll hit stop. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, so, you forgot the three rules of the show, didn't so you? So literally, I mean, how, I, I got the idea because my son watches this family on YouTube. And it's a, fam, a mom and a dad. And they're three kids. And the kids are like, you know, five, seven, and three and they make them like do practical jokes on each other and stuff. And I'm just like, who would do that to a three year old? Like, it doesn't make sense to me. Dude, and there's it, so much on YouTube. But they I branded don't themselves get. and like the Kardashians are pumping all this stuff. And I just, there's so many references to the Kardashians and, and Charles Manson <laughs> <laughs> and how they really kind of coincide. They're both cult leaders. I, yeah, I just, it, to me, it's, it's, it's kind of gross. Have you seen um, the, um, 
my total squirrel moment. There was a, it was either one of the Kardashians or somebody like that who is famous for nothing, mm-hmm. and they had on a ripped up Slayer T-shirt. I don't watch any of those shows. No, 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 no. Like, it was a picture. I don't watch any of that shit yeah. either. There was a picture floating around the internet. I think my homepage is Yahoo, so I get the Yahoo News thing. Yeah. And I go as soon as I open the computer. Anyway, we'll call it one of the Kardashians because I can't remember. And she had on a ripped up Slayer shirt, so we took a picture. So Carrie King from Slayer on tour like five shows in a row on tour he had one of their faces on his t-shirt with a red circle and a slash through That's it awesome. and on the back of his shirt it said don't wear my fucking shirt <laughs> that's great it's like i love that dude i too it just it saddens me like how much power those people have mm, for nothing i mean I, I read once that one of them stopped using one kind of social media site and it cost the company like a billion dollars like that that shouldn't be a thing mm-hmm you shouldn't be able to, as just a normal person, say something and affect the lives of. It's just it's. This is one of the it. things I'm about to say is one of the things that makes me an unpopular person, and people think I'm an asshole. Um, shut the fuck up and think for yourself. Yeah, it's right. not hard. I. That's great that that person has made a quadrillion dollars or whatever. But so fucking what? They're not special. Well, I, I, and if you, know, you watch any of like, that shit, those people are fucking dumb. I've only been starstruck like twice in my life because I've met so many people that are famous. Right. And they're usually, they're just like nice, normal people. They're just people. Most and of people them are. put them up on a pedestal. But like, yep. I met Quincy Jones once and I freaked out. Like, but right in front fr- of him I was like Janet too. Jackson. I'm like, hi, Miss Jackson. How you doing? And then I turned around and went, holy shit, you're Quincy Jones. He goes, yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm like da 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 da. Did you? I just started watching the Quincy Jones documentary. I have oh to finish God, it. It's so good. Did you finish it? So good. I didn't finish it. There was. I've already He's learned a, a shit ton a, of stuff. Fucking. I, I mean, the dude. Dude, I didn't know he did all that shit with Frank Sinatra. Oh my God, yeah. I had no He's, idea. He's, oh, he's got hands. I felt dumb. Everywhere. Yeah. I was like, I didn't fucking know what. Quincy Jones is is he's he's not famous. He's iconic. I mean, oh yeah. You know, it's, no, he's and he's he's crazy. a nice guy too. Well, <laughs> I, so I was gonna nice say guy. I've only been starstruck. <clears throat> Editing, I love it. No. I've only been starstruck once. Some of those, by the way, I'll keep in. Um, when I met Mike Portnoy, I was kind yeah. of. He's one of my drumming. I hate to use the word idol, but you know what? Yeah. Most people know what I mean. Yeah. I modeled a lot of my early playing after him. Tommy Lee's the reason I play drums. Right. And then I, I, I got into Dream Theater, I don't know, late 80s, early 90s or whatever, and I modeled a lot of my playing after him. And when I met him, I went, my name, David Titus. And that was it. Right. I, two minutes later, I met Rod Morgenstein. If you know anything about drums, Rod Morgenstein's playing with the Dixie Drags, Winger. He's a motherfucking monster. I talked to him for 45 minutes like he was my cousin. Right. I, but I couldn't get a word out to Mike Portnoy. It was the weirdest shit ever. Well, some, and most famous, famous people are they're just really reproachable, but just no one ever does. No. But then you get someone that's just total assholes. Yeah. Yeah. And I've met those guys too. Oh, I've met a few of those. Clive I've, Davis. Clive Davis. You're an asshole. Can I say that? You can say whatever you want. You're a total dick. I do not have FCC regulations, sir. We did a uh, showcase when I was uh, working with Almost Noah. We did a showcase for Clive Davis in New York City. Mm -hmm. And it was the the nastiest music industry thing I've ever done before. Like, they all came in and they left three seats open. And they're like, well, when Mr. Davis comes in, don't speak to him. Don't say anything. Just start playing. Like he was too good to fucking talk to the band that he was thinking oh, about signing. Fuck that bullshit. I, instantly, I was like, I don't want to work with this dude. Fuck that. No. 
Fuck that. <laughs> and they ended up signing Silvertide instead of almost knowing. Yeah. And I love Silvertide, but he ruined that fucking band. Well, I just, I think there's a... I, everybody gets too big for their britches at some point, but I just think it's... You know what? If I kick you in the nuts right now, you're going to go down. Well, so you're you, not you, fucking special. You never special. be so <laughs> important that you... You're too good to talk to the lower people. That just right. disgusts me. No, that's that's lame. Yeah. Before we get out of here, because I don't want to keep you all day, um, what is, because we just talked about all your current stuff, because you're super smart and all that shit. I'm super smart. What is your exact musical background? Oh, God, you don't know how I got into the music industry, do you? No, I don't. Oh, you've a lot never, of people probably don't know this. this you've never told story. me this story. Um, so I was a Marine. I got out of the Marine Corps because I... Getting shot at's not fun. No, it's not. But since you <laughs> since since you're on a microphone with me, thank you for your service. Oh, you're welcome. It is my pleasure. I miss blowing stuff up. Not so much uh, getting shot at, but the blowing stuff up part was fun. Okay, fair and enough. it's free when you're in the Marine Corps. You go to the <laughs> go to the gun range, and you're not. It costs a shit it, ton it, of money. It costs money. It's I got a rifle right now, and it costs my rent, my rents for the rifle are forty five seventy rounds. They are two dollars a piece. Oy. So I don't shoot that rifle very much. I but, would say not. But I mean, I can remember in the Marine Corps shooting thousands of rounds of a day and just going, this is great. Uh, but I got out and, and I came home to go to UofL, to college, and, and uh, I started working as a bouncer at Phoenix Hill. Never heard of so it. Like, yeah, <laughs> and I was upstairs, literally, and the Predators were the big band in town back then. This right. was uh, 1992. Yeah, 1992, 93. Um, and I was upstairs in the roof garden. You know how that stage was? It was mm-hmm. like four feet off the ground. And, yeah. And uh, Jeff Crane rolls in his Ampeg 810 cabinet. And I'm up on the stage and I just leaned over and picked it up with one hand. I was a monster back then. I was in great shape. Not the fat man you see before you now. Um, he is not a fat man, kids. <laughs> I literally picked it up onto that stage with one hand. <laughs> And Jeff, Jeff goes, holy shit, did you just pick that up? And I went, yeah. He goes, you want a job? Because <laughs> their sound guy just quit. And he starts telling me about it. I'm like, I don't know how to run sound at all. I, like, he's, no, no, you just help us load stuff. And I goes, he goes, I'll, we'll find another sound man. He goes, I'll just set the soundboard. They had a whole ton of gigs lined up. Right. He's like, I'll set the soundboard. And you just stand behind it and make sure nobody screws with it. I'm like, okay. I can do that. So I did that for like three months. I just stood behind the soundboard. And then I got bored and started playing with the knobs. And then I started reading books. Ted Subaki gave me a book called uh, Yamaha's Sound for Religion. It's a, it's a fantastic book. It is because it, it uh, teaches you how to run sound in odd-sized spaces. Right. And how to fill those, those sound voids, you know, and bounce stuff around. And gotcha. It's a great book. So I, and then I just... You know, read everything I get my hands on, and then I started uh, running sound for the Predators, and I ran sound for them for a while, and then I started doing lights. Uh, I did lights for Whatever Will for a long time, lights for Almost Noah for gotcha. a while. Uh, Who, and then, squirrel moment. Who was in Almost Noah? It's uh, uh, John Paris and uh, Ed Rodheimel and um, John Anderson, that's Kevin, right. okay. Kevin Gar. That, yeah, 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 okay, yeah. that's right. Uh, when you said Anderson and Gar, I, remember, I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, so I worked with them for a while, and then I worked with a bunch of like uh, small, you know, original bands too, Breckenridge, right? LMH, I guess they were they started off as LMH. Yeah, it was uh, LMH, and, then yeah. Breckenridge, then Heaven Hill, and then just did, ran lights for you know and teched. Like I used to tech for uh, Brian Fox, and you know, I, we, 
Yeah, did that in and out of the music industry for probably 15 years. Mm. Like from 2002, I don't know, it's from, from 1992 to 2005. Nice. So... 23 years. So, is that right? Did I, I do the math on there? Motherfucker, I math is too hard for me. I play drums. I count to four and six, I and that's it. I can't count. I can't figure out where to put a comma. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, can I tell is you something about writing, by the way? Just because I'm piss, it's pissed me off so much in the last couple of days. Absolutely. When you write in all caps, that's not a thing. No. It's, it's, it's stupid. It, it is stupid. And please, please. It doesn't make the, it, the it's the, it's the, the punctuation at the end of the sentence mm-hmm. that makes the sentence louder or yes. softer. Yes. Or pausing. And could you please learn the fucking difference between your and your, please. Two and two. Two and two? Yes. And two. Well, there's also there and there. Yeah. Please. You know what the funny fuck. thing is? I have my edit list and I'd make those mistakes. I I do the, U, I get writing so fast. Sometimes I just write Y O U R. Oh yeah. Instead of Y O U apostrophe R E. And I do it a lot, but I have an edit list And the first, when I'm done, the first thing I do is I go through these seven words and it's you and your and two and tour and there and there. You know? and, and I go th- and, and I, the word vary, I take the word vary out of it, but I use it a lot. I usually leave one very in, but you know, Hemingway said the first thing you should do is go through and cut the word very out because very is a useless word. You you actually <laughs> told me that in one of your emails. I love Hemingway. Right drunk at it's over. That's not him, but <laughs> it's it's credited to him a lot because he was a bit of a drinker. But, uh, oh, we don't know any of those now, uh, do we? No, not me at all. All right, so what do you got coming up that you want to? That you want to plug? Oh, you know the film is uh, really that's. Uh, I actually we're doing right now. I just got done shooting a uh, a Van Helsing uh, comedy. So it's kind of like I describe it as. Have you seen the show Grim? Yes, it's Grim if it were a comedy. Nice. I started. It's, fun. it's a web it's a web series. It's pretty fun. I started watching Grim when it first came out, and I got through the first season and I dug mm-hmm. it, and I got three or four episodes into the second season, and it lost me. I didn't give a shit. And then there was a series on sci-fi called Van Helsing where yeah, the, the chick. The girl. Yeah. yeah. First season, fantastic. Second season, garbage. Usually it's really the other way. Usually like season three is always the best season of any show because they figured it out and the writers are Well, solid. they didn't figure this one out yeah. to me. And I think it got shit canned. I think they canceled Probably. it. Because it was like the first season, the whole concept was fantastic because mm-hmm. it wasn't the only um, – Nod to the any of the original Van Helsing stories was the name. That was about it. And that's what this one does. It changes kind of the whole world. Yeah, that was what that one did. But it and it was it was great. And then it just got fucking dumb. Yeah. Hopefully, if if it's it's, a if it gets picked up, we're doing nine more episodes. Nice. Get back to LA. But yeah, that and then my first feature as a director is kind of because it's it's weird. Like there's so many films and TV shows and. Uh, so much entertainment made now and, and people don't get like I've done a ton of work in LA mm-hmm. but if you write on something and you're not the principal right you don't get credit for it you just get paid and I don't really care <laughs> I get credit for shit as long as I get paid I don't oh, care dude it, there, so, there, there comes a point where the you still do what you love and you still do it for the art and the fun and all that but there needs to be a paycheck yeah but and then along with that comes their right to change whatever you write 
Mm-hmm. So really the only way that you can get your vision is you have to be the multi-hyphenate. You got to be the writer, producer, director. Gotcha. So that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm producing, writing, and directing my first feature next year. I'm shooting it all in Louisville because I love Louisville so much. Nice. I'm trying. I'm hoping to get a, a named star to do a small cameo. So if anybody knows Jennifer Lawrence... Tell her I've I've written a very good small budget horror film with all female leads. Nice. Half the cast and crew, more than half the cast and crew are are females and or people of color. So it's super diverse. Um, And like my my sound recordist, Kara Johnson, amazing. Um, My second AC, Summer Adamowitz, just got a wonderful eye. Nice. Um, my line producer, my UPM, both women, Bryce and Andy. I, I, I'm telling you, I could not do this without without Andy. She is awesome. Very cool. Like she's stuff that I don't even know. She's like, you need to do this. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You just saved the film for like the twelfth time today. <laughs> Thank, no, thanks both, for that. Both the antagonists and protagonists are both women. You know, so it's, and it ends up in a, like a big bat. I don't know. I was trying to think of this other day. Can you think of any horror movies where the antagonist and protagonist are both female? Because horror is not my genre. No, but if I think of one, it's, I'll, it's, I'll, I'll I mean, like, I, I was rethinking about that. I like Scream so. 4, I think was, like, but that's, I don't know. So it's, it, it ends up in this awesome battle between these two really strong female characters right you know so i mean and they're mean girls well (laughs) wasn't a horror movie but if you weren't into that shit it could be they're they're really fun characters too so they're (sighs) fun to write especially the mom she's fucking insane i mean she's just nice nuts well no that that's good though we i was talking to um uh some friends of ours last night as a matter of fact and we were talking about how uh most of the greatest comedy mm-hmm. comes from pain and darkness. Oh yeah. It's awesome. So when you well, can mix those elements correctly, yeah. it, to me as a, as a fan of entertainment, that shit's fucking. Well, and fun. I try to do that with my writing, like especially when it's a thriller, mm-hmm. cause you can't hold that tension for an hour and a half. It's no. impossible. People lose it, will lose it. Right. But if you break, Oh that look, tension, girl's going to run and, and then she's, she's going to trip and dude's going to walk and still catch her. If you Lock break off. it with a joke, yeah. Then you could build it back up. Yep. And I learned that, oddly enough, from Brian Singer. Brian Singer wrote um, a lot of The West Wing, mm-hmm. but he wrote the the uh, Oscar-winning uh, play uh, screenplay uh, Spotlight. Oh, nice. So I went to see a Q&A with, with Brian, and uh, uh, we watched the movie, and he came out and talked. He only took two questions. One was mine, thank God. Um, <laughs> And I, I yeah, ask you. There's a, there's a part in that movie where, where they figure out it's not nine priests that are molesting these kids. It's 90. And it's this huge moment. And That's fucked like, up. And yeah. And then everybody's like, oh, my God, 90. It's crazy. And he, and he uses that same sentence in the next scene to make a joke where Michael Keaton's like, fucking 90. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> and it was so funny. And it was the same line. And it amazed me. So I asked him, I'm like, first of all, how much whiskey did you have to drink to like get the courage to write that fucking joke? Cause, and where the hell do you find the courage to write that? I mean, it's right in, in the middle of this horrifying 
moment, he took time out to relieve the tension with comedy. That was, it was brilliant to me. Right. Uh, and I love this. So I try to kind of, I, I don't know if I, I rip him off. I rip everybody off. Well, I, I dude, it's 2018. I steal, I steal ideas and in, appropriate them for us. Yes. It's, it's 2018. Everybody rips off everybody. Actually, it's almost 19. Um, it, it's, it's interesting. You said that because you were talking about that joke because and this is soapboxy for me. I think the subtlety of most arts is lost because people are so fucking ADD. What? They need that constant push the action, push the action, push, push everything. The superhero Not just movies got to be yeah. bigger than the last one, and they, yeah. they've lost story a lot. I think they've lost story, and I think, mm. and I'm talking music too. There's there people miss the subtleties. Hey, let's take the compression and turn that shit to ten. Right, right. Let's make the fucking record as loud as possible. Same thing with movies. Let's push everything and then push it. Up. I think that's one of the reasons why I like. Guardians of the Galaxy, both of those so much because I'm not a James Gunn man. Hire that dude back seriously. Well, seriously, that's more your wheelhouse. I just know, (laughs) meaning I don't know everything else he's done because I'm not a superhero kind of. I I get it. It's not my thing, but I love both of those movies. And the reason I don't know if I could write one. I I think I I know I could. Right. I think you could write anything. I still know I would. But what I'm getting at is I dug those movies because of the subtleties. That were in that movie, as much bullshit it was was going on, there was still a few subtleties, like Batista, the guy that plays uh, Drax. Thank you. Yeah. I, some of the time when he's not talking and he's turning his head and he looks at you like he got five heads. Yeah. People miss that because people do that shit in real life. Oh, you know, I just watched him in this uh, the movie Hotel Artemis. Have you seen that? No, but I want to. I saw he a preview for that. So good in that movie, dude. He's a great. Like, Jodie Foster is great because she's Jodie Foster. But she's Batista, I, I, he's a great he really actor. Impressed me with his skills in that. Well, there's. Yeah. I, I don't know if if you know um, anything about wrestling, and I've said probably two or six months ago, whenever I was eventually going to do a whole episode on wrestling. I will still do it. I'm waiting on somebody I, to text me back. In, in uh, high school and the Marine Corps. Right. Okay. And I so you the know, wrestling camp. For okay. So you know about actual camp. quote unquote real wrestling or amateur wrestling. Well, and that's freestyle Olympic style wrestling. And right. Yeah. I'm talking about like pro wrestlers, like what Batista used to be. Yeah. What people, I don't think people give those dudes enough credit because every fucking one of them is an actor. Oh yeah, Every it's, one it's of them. entertainment, but physical entertainment. It's, Absolutely, it's, yeah. but a lot of that shit, like when they're live on TV, they yeah, you, it has it's a lot they, of you, lot you of have improv, to go go yeah, yeah go 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 and improv. And I think when the the guys that grasp that concept go on to be the Rock, a, yeah, the Rock or Dwayne Johnson. Yeah. I mean, he's the biggest fucking actor in Hollywood right now. John Cena is starting to so, do movies. Batista's doing th- and well. Thank in his you, movies. Dwayne Johnson, for helping my movie. Because <laughs> so here's the thing about Dwayne Johnson. So China now is like the third biggest film market in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it might be even second. Um, and a huge market, but very hard for American films to get into. Right. Because uh, of the way they release the films. And Dwayne Johnson's movie, Skyscraper, mm-hmm. is the first American film to be released on a summer weekend in China ever. No shit. They shot it mostly in Hong Kong, so it's technically a Chinese film, but because he did that, even with the stuff that, that our, our government's doing, all the embargoes are putting on them, they're starting to accept more American media. Right. So I am, we're kind of doing it a little sneaky with my, so my wife is Thai, so we started a production company in Thailand, and the, the film we're making is actually going to be a Thai film, so we can release it in Asia uh-huh. more easily, because the market's so big. And 
it, America will eat any movie. It just you know, we, it doesn't right. matter where it's from. We'll buy it and sell it. And, yeah, we don't. China get doesn't work that way. So right. if America, I didn't know that. Yeah, well, and especially like ultra low budget movies, they don't want them. They want big stars, big names. So now if I've got a small Thai film, I can get it into most of Asia through that umbrella. Nice. So this is Very not cool. going to be a you know small time local release film. This is the global. We're hoping for a, a theatrical release. It just depends on how we do distribution. We're doing that next week, so we're going to talk to a bunch of those guys next week. Nice. Yeah, it should be fun. Well, very cool. Yeah, I'm hoping so. You're just a man of many talents. Uh, you make me feel I, shitty about You know what I'm life. really good at? You know what I'm really good at? I'm really good at uh, putting teams together. Logistics. I like, I'm smart enough to hire people that make me look good. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing, but I can hire people that do know what they're doing. <laughs> And then they just do all the work, and I take all the credit. <laughs> the reason I'm laughing, and, oh, and I'm the writer. Yeah, well, true. Yeah. The reason I'm laughing so hard at that is because people that I that I'm not that are not in my circle have asked me about specifically about this show. And I'm like, dude, how many people you know? I'm like, motherfucker, I'm a one man show. I do everything, yeah. and I don't. I, I take credit only because I have to take credit for the fuck. This up. is the first. I'm not time. smart enough to hire people. <laughs> it's the first time in my career. Where I'll be actually behind the camera and just worrying about what's in frame. Oh, nice. Because I Very usually cool. am like, I do like everything I've shot till now. Mm-hmm. I, I, with this Van Helsing thing we shot the other day, mm-hmm. I was the cameraman. I did sound. I did, I was light. I was gaffer. I did it all. Nice. We shot it in my friend's apartment, low budget, you know. What the but, fuck does a gaffer do? Uh, I see that the all the lights, time in movie credits. They set the lighting tone of the movie. So, uh, yeah, they're the. You're the person that, that works with the director of photography to get the light look of the whole film. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. It's, it, it, man, let me tell you what. The circle of confusion is what I call it. The, the, there are endless amounts of jobs on a film. Oh, it's I know that. Ridiculous. But sometimes when... I'm the, like, my film is going to be small, and we're still got a career of like 30. <laughs> right. Well, sometimes when you see the credits, I'm, I'll watch them every now and then and go, the fuck is a key grip? There's a grip and then a key grip. Yeah, key grip just means he gets more money. <laughs> and he's, he gets to tell everybody else what to do. It's like, no, put that over there. He's the boss. Yeah. How many grips does your key grip have under him? <laughs> so that's the thing, though. Like this film, we're going to have a key grip and a grip, and, and that's it. Right. We're in a you know, feature film, like a big studio film. You've got 20 grips. I mean, they're. And what do they do? Hundreds. Uh, they. They're the blue collar muscle. They're the guys that really get the film made. You know, oh, it's like they're you. the ones that that, that uh, bring in the the dollies and, and set design and, and or maybe no, moving the set. Design yeah, they move. They and move and, and build the set, and they, gotcha. they you know they help you light it, and it's you know they they do a lot of stuff. Nice, that, and they work their butts off, man. And they're they're always there first. They're, they're the roadies of of movies. They're right. Always there, there first, leave last. You know, well, that's cool. So I I know more respect for Crips than probably any because they work their butts off. Man. Right. I mean the stuff they carry is heavy and it's just a shit ton. <laughs> and I I'm done I'm rock. done rolling cables, man. I don't do that shit Dude, anymore. I, I've rolled so many millions of miles of cables. Stacy gets telling me all the time, she's like, When are you gonna hire a drum tech? I'm like <laughs> I always say, When I make enough fucking money where it doesn't hurt me. Right, yeah. Because I right. do not want to slip my gear anymore. Oh, I hate it. I'm so tired of it. I can't stand it. I don't even like picking up cameras. <laughs> you know, 
And it's like, John, you use the camera. Can I just watch the monitor? You know? I don't really want to watch the monitor. I just want to watch the actors. Yeah. So yeah, this is the first time that I'm ever going to, I'm going to be standing behind the, the camera and not doing 20. So I don't know how that's going to, Nice. It's going to feel weird the first, gonna, I think. I think you'll dig it. But now. I think it's going to make for a better movie. Because I've noticed that when I shoot stuff and I'm doing multi-jobs, mm-hmm. when I go back to edit later, I, there are things in the frame that I missed that I would have seen. Gotcha. Had I not been worried about so much stuff. Like I, I shot a film about uh, veteran suicide not too long ago. And right. there's a critical scene in it uh, where you're looking at a family across the way and how close they are to this guy. And they have no idea he's going through these struggles. And I didn't stage it quite right. Had I had the mom just slide like six inches to the right, her face would have been in frame and it would have made such a better shot. You could see her when she leans back and forth, but right. Because I was so busy and I was on the camera, you know, I just, I missed it. And it would have been, you know, it's a lot of stuff that's not noticeable to, you don't know you notice it. Until, you right. Know, like, but it's, if it's not there, you feel it. It's like, you know, how you set up the foreground and the background of a shot makes all the difference when you're, you're looking at perspective. So no, that makes sense. I've, I'm, I'm by no stretch of the imagination, a movie buff or a movie critic or anything, but not, there are certain things that I notice all the time. Um, weren't you just holding a blue solo? Continuity. Cup, motherfucker. Continuity. Yeah. It's, it's huge. I was, I was watching a movie last night and the continuity, whoever the script supervisor was on, it was horrible. It was, <laughs> Because it was back, I mean, there was a woman in the background, and they would show her, uh, in, in her her single shot, and she'd be bouncing around and talking on the phone, and then they'd show the wide shot, and she's sitting there, and the, she doesn't have her phone in her hand, she's just, got a, like just, a blank expression <laughs> on her face, like the, you didn't just shoot that. Those are two different days when you shot that, like, and yeah. I could tell right away. You know, from an insider's perspective, is how they fucked it up. I just know that it's fucked up. Yeah, and when everybody does, it's yeah. the thing. So I'm. I'm like, I'm looking forward your hand to, was not there two seconds ago. Yeah, I'm looking forward to being the guy who gets to focus on the frame for once. So nice. Well, you got any websites or any of that bullshit you want to plug? You no, know, I just, just, I just went to, we're, we're working with a local media company called Mightily. Mm-hmm. They're, they're creating all that stuff now. Nice. Um, run by my, my friend, you know, Lisa Siebert. She, her and I, I used to be the president of Lamia. <laughs> Uh, a long time ago, what? and Lisa was like the CEO of Lemire or something. I don't know. She was like the big cheese, and I was just the guy who carried stuff. Right. Um, she made she, it, Greg. She, yeah, Greg Seaver. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. It took me a second uh, to put that together. Yeah, she yeah, yeah. she started this this local media company, and she's doing it really well. I mean, she is killing it. Um, we went and talked to them yesterday, so they're nice. going to create a package for us with all that stuff. I I'm, I'm so non social media website guy. like I barely have time to look on my Facebook page <laughs> and I don't really think Facebook, is Facebook even a thing anymore I can't keep track of that crap it, it, it is it's slowly becoming not a thing um, from my perspective and so I'm I've not got, super I've got all it, those I've got like Instagram and I've got Facebook and I've mm-hmm. got uh, WeChat and all that I don't even know what the fuck a WeChat is WeChat's the, what they use in China ah. they use it for everything Got you. Everything. I've got like <laughs> Line. I've got all these, you know, Line they use in Asia quite a bit and they use in South America. You know, it's great for calling overseas because you can call on the internet. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to. You know. Oh, that's cool. Um, but I never use any of them. I, <laughs> I use, I post pictures of my kids on Facebook so my mom can see them. And that's pretty much all. I right. Do. Well, what's, what's funny is today is the first day you've actually 
called me from your phone. I've yeah, never I had your I phone number until today. <laughs> All of our communication has been Facebook Messenger or email. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't. It's it's easier to get hold of me through email than it is for a phone because I just I don't answer my phone. Ever. No, and that's I don't give a shit. I just thought it was funny because when I was sitting in here, and I won't say it on the show, but when I was sitting in here, I looked at the number that was calling me, and I was like. Fucking Montana. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fine. Man, okay. I was like, what the fucking, I don't you know, fucking know anybody you know, in Montana. Is, oh, wait, it's Sunday. Yeah. That's Todd. Yeah, me. yeah I, I lived in Montana for a little while and, and got my phone up there. And I just, I like that it's a different number. The funny part for it is, is for me, though, Montana only has one area code for the oh. entire state. And living in Los Angeles, I can literally look out my window and see like three area codes <laughs> Atlanta's the I, same way. I know. It's like so many fucking numbers. Montana's, and everybody has that reaction. They're like, Montana, who the hell is that? Yeah, so, fucking anybody. Once they figure it out, it's me. It's like, oh, nobody else is going to call me from Montana but Todd. <laughs> yeah, I don't even need to save that number. It's <laughs> only fucking Montana only number. Todd. Well, dude, I appreciate yeah. you taking the time. Oh, man, it's a blast. I, I'm, 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 I couldn't figure out why you asked me to be on her, but it was fun. <laughs> I, I, I don't I, rate... Stop self-deprecating. I, uh, um, I asked you on because for a couple of reasons. One, because um, you were in fucking town. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so you, you, you didn't know. You didn't know that I used to do a morning radio show. I used to do the morning show on the Fox. No, I did not. You told me that yeah. one before I hit yeah, record. I went right before Clear Channel bought the world. Oh well, yeah, uh, and syndicated Howard Stern. Howard yeah. Stern took my job. Right. So, well, it, it, it's. Um, I listen to a many, many, many a podcast, and one of the things that people are starting to talk about is how terrestrial radio is trying to get rid of the personalities, right? so to speak, and they're trying to format the uh, terrestrial radio as somebody's playlist, and it's not working, and people are leaving in droves because the personalities are gone. Right. Some people actually do want to hear people talk shit about other things. The only radio station I listen to anymore is NPR. Right. Every, and I'm, if, if I want music, I'm listening to it off my phone. Exactly. Listen to what I want to when I want to. Right. But what I was going to say, the reason I wanted you on the show was a couple of reasons. One, you have an interesting story with the whole film thing. Um, mm-hmm. Because I didn't know that until you and I started talking. Because I think it was Kevin Manning that told me to send you my book. Oh, nice. I love Kevin. I do too. Such, I see he was at uh, Fox Pension. Hey, how are you all doing? It's Kevin. <laughs> I have... A couple impressions. That one was horrible. Anyway, um, and then because and when we reconnected, when when Kev Pat, the other Kevin McCurry passed, um, that was so, one thing. And the other thing was, besides you have an interesting story and what you've done in film, is you were gracious enough and took the time to read my book. Oh, just a thing, man. Is I always, I will always be the dude that supports local artists, mm-hmm. no matter what. I mean, I've been to so many shows, you know, and and I've. Uh, I'm never the guy that asks for a free ticket to get in. Oh, I'm not either. You know, Terry, give, Terry Harper gives yeah. me shit up about this. He's like, you never asked me. I'm like, I'm not that fucking you guy. Shouldn't, you shouldn't. I will pay. If, if you want to support local arts, pay. Yeah. You don't need to save five bucks. At a, you know, like, <laughs> Fuck no. I, we, we have a Jay Ballinger. He's done really well for himself. He's Dirk Bentley's like, production manager now. Mm-hmm. I don't. It, and, it's funny. Him and I have crossed paths a million times, and I know everybody that he knows, and him yeah. and I have never met. Yeah, Jay's like a unicorn, man. He's, yeah. Uh, but he's an awesome dude. <laughs> I don't like, think he's real. He's fake. <laughs> he's not a real person. Awesome dude. And he's playing, uh, last week he played the Hollywood Bowl. Oh, nice. Dirks. And 
But getting a ticket in L.A., it's, it, anybody who asks for a free ticket in L.A. is a dick. Oh, I... Because it's the hardest place in the world to get. And he, he's like, I can't really give you... I'm like, I don't... I would never even... I'm like, you want to go have some coffee, though? That'd be great. Yeah. I fucking want to come to you. Yeah. I'm like, I love their... Fuck I've seen that. you guys play a million times. Like, I saw them when they were up in Montana. But, yeah, it's, it's the same thing. It's like, you know, that's a different story than going out to a bar and supporting local music because Dirks is making millions of bucks. Right. You know? And he's worked his ass off to get there. Oh, it's absolutely. amazing yes. what he does, but he ain't got the... You know, the $5 that comes out of the band's pocket that you're going to see, it comes out of their pocket. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, we, they pay for it. So yeah. it's, you know. But I'll always be that guy. Like, I, I don't mind reading stuff. Right. I, I, I read voraciously, you know. You do. You, I, you told I, me I mean, that before. I, I'm, I've got seven scripts to read this weekend. I'll probably go read three or four of them in the next couple of hours. So. Yeah. You know, I'm blazed through them. Scripts are so fast for me. Right. Um, and I can see, you know, I know what's going on with most of them almost like I said almost instantly but I you know I, I don't say I read every single page of every single script but I try right just because someone put the effort into it and absolutely they deserve at least that yeah you know? I mean you're gonna you're gonna know immediately and and I felt when I sent when when Manning told me that that you were a screenwriter and, and you wrote in Hollywood and all that kind of stuff he said well just send him your book and I went he'll know within the first fucking five paragraphs oh, yeah, if, it's, if it's worth a shit and you read the whole thing, so I was like, "Yeah, yeah, at least yeah, I won that." <laughs> I mean, it's, for, honestly, first page is all, and that's really all you get in Hollywood. So, oh yeah, the big format. I'm a format Nazi. <laughs> I am because to break in, and that's why I tell all the people that I'm, I'm I read their screenplays in that like format, 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 because the people who are reading those screenplays and those manuscripts, the books and mm -hmm. stuff, they do that for a living. Oh yeah, absolutely. So the second that they open the file. If your format is wrong, you already lost them. Oh, yeah. You already lost them. Like most most Hollywood studios and, and agents, if it's improperly formatted, won't even read it. They'll just throw it in the trash. That doesn't surprise me. So take the time to learn the skill. Right. You know, and it, I, st I still make format errors. I was putting fade in on the left for my entire life. And I just found out six weeks ago or six months Two months six ago, six, ago, six weeks ago, two months ago, something like that, that it goes on the right. It's a transition. I have no idea. I had to have a master's level screenwriter. The guy had an MFA in, in, from UCLA told me that. And he's like, everybody does it. Nobody knows. But that's not where it goes. So, Holy shit. Everybody makes that mistake. Everybody does. I had no idea. And screenwriting, it's, it's fluid. It changes. The rules change. So right. you got to kind of keep up with it, you know? Right. Like I've noticed recently that um, and I don't know if it's a, th a part of the Me Too movement or what, but people don't write, uh, writers aren't writing descriptives of their people anymore. So they don't tell you what they look like anymore. They tell you who they are emotionally with their descriptions. So it's not, you know, long blonde hair and glasses. It's, uh, you know, he is, is, is a deeply introspective man. You know, like tell they tell you who they are and not what they are anymore. Um. And it didn't used to be that. It used to be all about the visual description of the person. And I've even started, I've stopped aging my characters. I don't put an age on them. Because if I put an age on them, unless it's pertinent to the story, right. if I put an age on them, it limits your view. So you as the reader instantly apply that age to them. And you're not using what you would see in your eye. Gotcha. And if I can get you to activate your own imagination in something that I've written, I gotcha. No, fair enough. You know that I mean? makes sense. Like, like you'll follow the story more because you're connecting with it more. Right. 
and I'm giving you the opportunities to do that. And it's, it's, it changes. It's really cool. I, I love it. I love writing. <laughs> yes, you do. I really do. I'm such a fucking nerd. No, no you're not, dude. I, I love reading. <laughs> I, I love writing, but I will be honest with you, other than being in my eighth round of edits, I don't write anything else. I don't sit around and write stuff. And I don't have a real particular reason for it. I just don't. And I think it's because I don't want to do the freelance thing. I don't want to do journalism. I don't want to write art. I don't want to write anything other than either books or stories. And I'm not doing any of that till I get my first book right. published. Dude, I have to write. It's it's my. It's, I have to do this. It's my therapy. Yeah. yeah. Where, where this is this is how yeah. you relieve your stress. Yep. I relieve all my stress on the page. And for those of you it's that know, I don't have a camera. Cathartic. I'm pointing at my beautiful drum kit. It is pretty. We're sitting beside. What do you think we are? Six inches from this damn thing? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Uh, Part of my gear is sitting on top of my gear. That's kind of cool. You see how I did that? Yeah, and gear, gear and gear. gear. Uh-huh. All right, dude. We're going to end this thing. Cool. Thanks for having me, man. It was dude, fun. Thank you for it. taking the time. Yeah, it was great. Awesome. Um, and I'm telling you right now, when we come back to shoot the film, mm-hmm. we're going to need a whole ton of extras. All right. So we're doing I, the, we're doing I have the, a so specific I'm going look. Tomorrow, I'm going tomorrow <laughs> to, to tour the Jephthah Creed facility where we're going to shoot hopefully mm-hmm. the majority of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and the final scene is is like a huge, like battle. Mm-hmm. But I need you need t- a bald, tattooed, white trash motherfucker. Tons of white people extras to kill. Yes, we're gonna set somebody on fire. It's gonna <gasps> be great. Yeah, I'm not signing up for that. <laughs> it's, no, I'll sign up to be killed. That's our our stuntman, uh, our stunt coordinator, John Ania. He's like, can you set me? He like literally asked me if I could set him on fire. I'm like, he goes, will you write a burn in? Like. <laughs> Okay, I'll do that if we can have a sword fight too, because John's like a sword master. He did. Uh, have you seen the movie Forty Seven Ronin? Keanu Reeves. Yes, it's John, been a long time. John does all it. the sword work in that movie. That's John. Oh, very with cool. The sword. That's not nice. Keanu Reeves. No, that's John. Well, and when he fights the guy and the the uh, the guy with the skull tattoo on his mm-hmm. face, yeah. that's John doing all the sword work there. Oh, nice. So, yeah. Very cool. So, awesome. So I, he's he's a two time XMA World Sword Champion. And he trained the guy underneath him who won the next six in a row. So, so it, John utilizing is a the skills, utilizing the, he's, I call him my flippy friend. <laughs> yeah. He calls me big fatty. Oh, no, it's, it's an inside joke. I know, but that's uh, just sad. It's funny to me. Dude, it's, it's funny as fuck. Fuck off. I know I'm fat <laughs> and I know I'm bald. You, you can't get me with those jokes, man. I, no. I, I call myself fat and bald way more than you do. <laughs> That's it. We're out. All right, man. See you High later. five in the microphone. Thanks, brother. I love your face. That's awesome. Well, that's it, kids. That's the show for the week. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you dug it. I hope you got something out of it. And uh, I'm going to just assume, which is the worst thing you can do because assumption is the mother of all fuck-ups. But I'm going to assume that you learned a lot of shit from Todd. I learned a lot of stuff. Uh, it was a very cool conversation. He's such a cool dude, and he's done so many things. And And I'm excited that he's coming back to Louisville so him and I can, can spend more time together and I can pick his brain. I just I dig hanging out with people that are smarter than me, which is pretty much everybody I know because I'm fucking dumb. But uh, it was a cool conversation, and I'm glad he made the time. Uh, and I hope you guys dug this episode, and I hope you got something out of it. Uh, Keep in mind to always check the website now and always check back with the show because I've got some cool stuff coming up. Um, I'm I'm horrible at social media. I'm trying to get better. I really am working on that. 
Um, but soon, very, very soon, within the next week or two, uh, I will have a way on the website where you can purchase merchandise if you do so choose. And all that does is supports this show. Uh, takes a lot of time and effort and a little bit of money to put the show on for free every week for you guys. So uh, it just helps me out and you can support the show. Uh, as of right now, all I have are t-shirts. <gasps> yes, I do. I have t-shirts, kids. Uh, you will see them very, very soon uh, once I get over my uh, technology stupid hump and I can actually put them up on the website. But that would be awesome if you guys could do that. Uh, I think you'll dig the shirts. I dig the shirts. I've shown a couple people and they're like, oh man, that's cool. Uh, so I, uh, I will not spoil it anymore. I will tell you that and I will leave that there. Uh, don't forget, check back next week. I will have a pretty cool guest, a pretty cool hang, a um, couple announcements on that show next week. So I'm looking forward to that and I hope you guys are too. So that's it. I'm out of here. I'm going to go beat Sebastian and I'm just kidding. I'm not going to beat my cat. He's awesome. He talks too damn much though. As you guys figured out last week, he talks a lot. He talks a lot. He talks a lot. Oh my God, he talks a lot. So obnoxious. But I love him. He's my little fur baby. He's my he's my little dude. I guess I should start putting pictures of him up. Hmm. I don't really know. Anyway, as I say at the end of every episode, go do some shit. Seriously. Get the fuck out of here. Beat it. Go watch a movie. Go learn how to write. Go write. If you haven't written already. If you do know how to write and you haven't written anything, go write something. If you haven't watched a movie in a while, go watch a movie. Look for the continuity in movies. That's always fun. That's always a blasting. You guys are awesome. I will see you next week. Or I will... You will hear me next week. See you. I can't fucking see What the fuck am I talking? I don't even know. So until next time, I will talk at you soon. <laughs>